Hey friends, we are your hosts, Leanne and Llewellyn, and welcome back to the One With Friends podcast. I am back. Yay! Okay, but Llewellyn and Nicole did such a great job while I was gone. Um, This is my formal resignation, and they can just (laughs) finish the other seven seasons. Six, technically, we're almost done. And speaking of being almost done... Wow, that's a really bad segue, but I'm going to keep it. Um, It's not what you guys think. Llewellyn and myself are a little annoyed that season three has taken a majority of the year. At least I'm speaking for you. Is that accurate, Llewellyn? (laughs) Yeah, I would say it's pretty accurate. It's like, it feels like it just keeps going and like... It feels like we just haven't made any progress, um, which yeah. has been really annoying. So we're getting up to the end of the year, but we were also quickly approaching the end of season three anyways. So as you will notice, you you obviously have known it because this has come out as a second episode dropped on the same day um, as the one with Llewellyn and Nicole. And there will continue to be double episodes next week. And then for the next two Thursdays after that, there will continue to be episodes. So even though it's over the holiday, I kind of realized that there were years where I spent the holidays by myself and I didn't spend them with family. And sometimes I'm really bummed when my podcasts don't have content and I know that they're taking a break for themselves and their families so it's totally understandable but um, this is not something that Llewellyn and myself are going to promise every year but we are just kind of in this mad dash to get season three done um, by the end of the year so just be informed that for the next two weeks um, this one included you're going to have double episodes every Thursday and then there are going to be two other episodes through the um, end of the year with a special episode dropping on the either the last day or the first of the year. We haven't quite decided yet, but there's going to be a special episode as like a wrap to 2021 um, since that is when it is as we're recording this. So I think I have talked already enough since being back. I'm all pent up. I've It's been forever. <laughs> so um, Llewellyn, give our friends a life update because I know you have one and I don't. So take it away. Yeah. Um, life update. I think the only big life update I have is I got a new job, which I don't think Woo-woo! we've talked about yet. Pew, 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 pew. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, don't mind the cars driving by. It's hot out here. The windows are open. <laughs> Forgive me. Oh, it was um, Florida. <laughs> it's like 30 <laughs> degrees here. <laughs> uh, it's like 80 here, so oh welcome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, anyways, beside that, we or I just got a new job. I, I mean, it's nothing glamorous, but I am a finance and revenue cycle admin assistant. It's a mouthful. Mm. Um, I actually just started this week, this week that this is releasing is my first week. So it's a lot of paperwork, videos, all the new stuff. Um, but I have my own office, which is exciting. (gasps) What? Oh, that's amazing. I mean, if you saw the building, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. There's no room in here for cubicles, but, um, some people share offices and I just happen to not be one that shares. So that's awesome. I'm really um, jealous. Yeah. It's it's nice. I think because I'm in finance, that's probably why. Um, but I don't know. I could be totally wrong. But yeah, I don't have a whole lot of like updates on it because it's literally week one and I feel like a lost fish at sea. Um, <laughs> just call, just call her Nemo. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't had like, I mean... Starbucks was new, but like that's different. But I haven't had like a new like big girl job in gosh, what seven, eight years. So it's like you know, all the first day jitters, and you don't know anybody, and everything they say to you sounds like gibberish. 
So. Right. Yeah. But it's good. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Anytime there's a new training, there's like no context around it. It's always like as you build context, then you'd understand it more. But a new job is really tough. But I'm really happy that you got one. And do you realize that we're both sort of semi in finances? (laughs) This is true. If I could just get mine in order, that'd be great. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. Same. (laughs) Hashtag same. Uh, And same for pretty much everybody in the world. So help us. Um, Okay, well, I think that's it. So do you want to go into the episode recap? Wait, you're not going to give us a live update? I told you I don't have one. Oh, Uh, how did I miss that? (laughs) I had family. I guess I had family in town for Thanksgiving, family from California, which is really cool. Um, I, I love being in a state now that people like to visit. There you go. But that's that's it. <laughs> All right, then. Well, episode recap. Um, this week, we watched season three, episode 22, titled The One with the Screamer. This that name. Okay. Written by Scott Silveri and Shana Goldberg Meehan. Meehan. I don't know how to say that. I apologize. Directed by Peter Bonaires. Yeah. And then originally aired on 4-24-1997. Joey's play gets terrible reviews, and Ross tries to convince Rachel her date is a psych... Uh, her date is psychotic. Guys, I'm sorry. It's it's late. <laughs> oh, that's it. So, okay, yes. cool. That's it. Um, you know, I did not think that this was the storyline when I read that title, and I was like, what is this one going to be? The one with the screamer? What is that about? I, I, and then, I can, yeah, same, same. Yeah. And then as soon as Ross was like, oh, I have a date, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Is this the one with Ben Stiller? And then it was. <laughs> yeah. In some ways, I feel like I'm rewatching it for the very first time because it's been so long since I watched them back to back for the first time. So it's been kind of cool to be like, wait, I don't remember what this was or not remembering punchlines. So I laughed out loud a few times for this one, too. <laughs> Me, too. You're not alone. Um, OK, but we open with the soft open and uh, Phoebe is on hold at Monica's on her phone. And I just it brought me back to like stories that my mom used to tell of like when their households shared the same phone line with other households in like the area or condo or duplex or like neighborhood. Did your mom ever like experience that? I'm sure she did, but I don't like remember it or I don't ever remember asking about it okay I mean how crazy is that that like you could pick up the phone and like your neighbor could be on the phone and you would have to hang up because someone's using this yeah that's weird mutual phone like could you imagine if it was that way today (laughs) how annoying it would be terrible oh my gosh but in essence, like, the storyline that we're going to pick up here with Phoebe is that, you know, she's she's on hold at Monica's. Her warranty is about to expire, and she has this sort of, like, conspiracy theory that they want her to hang up so that they don't have to fix her phone for free. And she, like, Rachel needs her to get off the phone because she's trying to reach her dad. Her dad had called, but she doesn't know where, like, Phoebe doesn't know where she is. So Rachel's getting a little frustrated. Now Joey comes in asking about tickets for his show. Mon is bringing Pete, her boyfriend, which she is very emphatically um, expressing that she has a boyfriend. And we find out that Ross also needs two. And they're kind of but staring he's at Rachel. very, like, timid to say it. He's like, I, 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 need, I need two. But, like, mm. doesn't want to make a big deal about it. Yeah, you're so right. And it gets kind of awkward really quick because you can see kind of Rachel eyeing from side to side. Phoebe's like like a a date type person as she's like quickly giving Rachel the side eyes <laughs> as she's on hold. But now all of a sudden Rachel also needs two tickets, right? Right. Naturally. Naturally. And when Ross leaves, we find out that she actually also needs a date. <laughs> so mm-hmm. 
Uh, Joey mentions that his friends are finally going to get to meet Kate. Um, Joey thought he was using Chandler's cologne. And they're like, you realize, like, she has a boyfriend. This isn't going to matter. But Chandler doesn't own any cologne. But there is worm medicine for the duck in the bathroom. Which, (laughs) one, how does that come in a spray? I would think that would be like a pill. But either way, that's disgusting. Or a drop. The only other thing I think is, like, drops that they put in the mouth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So that sets up the storyline in our soft open. Um, We head into the main bulk of the episode, and the girls at the apartment, they're getting ready for their date and essentially the show. Phoebe's still on hold. She tries to put on the sweatshirt that Monica gave her because she's, like, trying to help her get ready while also being on hold. And she ends up putting her head through one of the sleeve holes and absolutely panics. <laughs> it's one of my favorite little things that Phoebe does. Have you ever have you ever gotten panicked inside of an article of clothing? Or gotten like oh, enraged yeah, yeah. or like something? Yeah. Okay, how especially those clothing items that like I mean it's been a while, but like those clothing items when you're at like the store and you're trying it on and like it fits, but it's like like, it took a minute to get on, and it's oh. more for me than getting it off. Like, that feeling of, like, oh, crap, I have to get this off without breaking it or ripping it or I don't know what to do. Like, I've had those moments in, like, uh, like fitting rooms where I just, like, freak out for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. How do I get this off without, like, ruining it because I don't want to buy it? Yes. That's a great point. Be I kind of forgot about patient. that. Yeah. I had a very specific example in mind. There's this one time I was living in a apartment that didn't have air conditioning. I just had one box unit in my bedroom right next to my bed so that at night at least I could sleep or my bedroom I could close the door and it could sort of start to cool down. It was in the middle of summer and I had this dress that was it was white with like black polka dots and apparently near the zipper one of the threads got loose and so it tangled up in the zipper mechanism it was hot that day. I'm by myself. I'm trying, like, it's already difficult for my arm to bend that far backwards to try and grab the zipper, like, tab as it is to pull down. But to pull it down, it was right in that zone where you couldn't really put your arm over your back, like, over the top shoulder and try and pull it down. And it was really painful to try and twist my arm to like reach behind and up to grab it and because it was stuck and it was hot I was like I was I was one or two more pulls away from literally bringing out the scissors and cutting myself out of the dress because my hair was all done so I was sweating I had the freezer door open, just standing outside of the freezer, trying to get the cool air to wash over because like I worked myself up into such a panic because I could not get the stress off. And so for a second, I like, I just felt Phoebe (laughs) very intensely in this moment. Yeah. But I've had those many panics in the dressing rooms too. So that is a great example that I kind of forgot about. Um, we, we hop into the theater and Ross and Rachel arrive first with their dates. They have a pretty awkward interaction, kind of a huddle-esque type greeting, if I could say that maybe, um, with the, uh, and break. (laughs) Um, and we find out obviously in this moment that Ben Stiller is our guest actor on this episode, which was cool to see him because, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen him in a movie in quite some time, and it is sort of those 90s, early 2000s movies that I think of when I think of him. Um, now, the ladies head to the bathroom, and the guys go to find the seats. Ross tries to address the elephant in the room by telling the guy that, like, oh, isn't this weird because I used to go out with Rachel? And he's like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, and now that becomes the awkward interaction. Now they go to find the seats and there appears to be an elderly couple in their seats and Ross tries to address it in in a polite way while, you know, Ben Stiller, Tommy, uh, not so much. Uh, One of my favorite lines that he said was um, when the old couple comes back with the rebuttal and they're like, oh, well, the usher said he's like, oh, oh, the usher with all the training they go through. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but that was so 
good to me because he just it's so accurate yeah he just escalates so fast like he starts like it's like you can tell it's like when you when you can tell somebody's about to get really angry like he starts kind of subtly and then he comes back with a snide like comment and then he just (laughs) like blows up yeah it's like zero to 60 and in that moment is this the part i put i think it may have been later but like in that moment I could, like, feel the tension coming off of Ross. Of, like, a, oh, crap. What is happening? I mean, he all of a sudden is, like, very aware that this is not good. But here's what I wrote in my notes about this. And I'll have to probably explain it a little. But I said, um, so this Tommy, he's very sarcastic, very condescending, and in that moment, I completely understand him. <laughs> like, I understand why he's frustrated because this couple is like, oh, well, I thought it was D. It's like, well, you're wrong. Can you just get up? Like, they have no actionable look about them. Like, they don't look like they're about to get up. They don't look like they're about to, like, change. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of people who, like, sit in the wrong airport or the airline seats. And I don't understand how that can happen when it's so very clearly marked. Yeah. So for a second, I'm like, I know this isn't PC, obviously. And sorry to all those who may be offended out there. Just skip ahead five seconds. He's kind of my spirit animal (laughs) in this regard. Like he is what we all want to be. Except for like, he's what we're all thinking, even though none of us would say it. Maybe that's a better way to put it. He's like the inner dialogue. He's the inner dialogue that all of us have. Perfectly said, Llewellyn. Perfectly said. Golf claps. Golf claps. Snaps. Snaps. (laughs) Snaps for Llewellyn. Okay, also, real quick note. In counting the seats, once they left, wherever that next group started, I don't think they even had enough seats for everybody. There's only five seats and with the dates that both Ross and Rachel brought, that would make eight people that needed a seat with all of the friends plus all dates. So, like, Joey would have probably gotten them together, wouldn't you think? I just thought it was, like, an interesting little, like... I feel like I don't think a that lot of times... Right. A lot of times when you do, like, theater things like that with big groups, you do multiple rows. So you have, like, mm. two couples and then two behind them. Um, that type rather than taking up a whole row because you can't really talk down a row where you could just like reach over and talk to them. Yeah. I guess with eight, you could do like four and four and that way you've got two couples in each row or you could just turn around and chat with the couples behind you. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. and maybe because he's probably getting free tickets, he just had to give what was left. Maybe. That's true. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we we cut really quickly. It's the post-show party. They're all celebrating Joey. Joey goes to introduce Kate. Is it Kate? Yep. Okay. I wrote that way wrong. Um, To all of his friends. And her boyfriend lands a big one on her in the middle of the group, which is so embarrassing to Joey. And I feel really bad for him in that moment. Yeah. I mean, even though he, like, all of his friends know and – he can't really expect anything other than that. But now Ross. Wait, what? Why did I write this? I said Ross starts hitting on Rachel's date in front of Chandler. <laughs> what? No, what did opposite. I mean? So Ross at this point, Ross is trying to tell Chandler that he doesn't like Tommy because of the whole like anger. Oh, thing. <laughs> I wrote that way off. Continue. Yeah. Um, but so he's trying to explain to him, like, I just really don't think this guy's a good fit for her. And Chandler's like, yeah, of course you would say that because you still want to be with her and right. you don't want her to be with anybody else. And so like Chandler is thinking, of course you're going to say it, but we all know that like the reason Ross doesn't want her with him is because he's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, Did yeah, you realize really the way that do. he goes? Did you realize the way that he goes, he's bad news? <laughs> like, he was like, yeah. the way it drew out, it, I don't know. It was just a funny, like, little ism of David Schwimmer to, like, play it that way. Um, 
But then we see Joey, like, he introduces the understudy to Rachel and her date, and she very blatantly addresses the fact that they, like, have seen each other in the hallway the day after her and Joey slept yeah. together, and then he quickly broke up with her after, which is really embarrassing. Now, Ross's date is asking how Pete and Monica got together, and Monica pretty much hates the story, <laughs> Pete's version of the story. It's like, oh, well, I pursued her for forever, and then I gave her $20,000, and here we are. And she's like, <laughs> and <laughs> the long story is that she broke up with him for telling the short story. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was so good. Now, is this... Is this the first time we see Estelle? For some reason, it was like, Estelle! This is the first time we see her outside of her office. Okay, maybe that's what made it seem like such a a special thing. Because as soon as I saw her, I was like, aw, Estelle! Now, she tries to loop in Monica and Rachel to be represented by her and says she could put something together with Monica's face and Rachel's chest. And then Chandler asks to borrow <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> Chandler. Um, it, it, around the same time, we kind of see Ross's date uh, reapproaches him. And he's so infatuated with Tommy being on the verge of screaming the whole night that he's not paid his date any mind. And so she leaves. Like, she's like, I'm not going to wait around to see, like, if some guy is going to start yelling. He's like, oh, no, he's definitely going to yell. Like, it's a guarantee. But Ross is so obsessed with it that he, like, he ruined his whole date. Yeah. While she's leaving, we see the director come in. The reviews for the play have come in. And the reviewer says that even though Joey's performance is uneven, it's not the worst thing in the production. And he is thrilled with that review. (laughs) Um, I mean, poor Joey that his standards are are so low. But to be honest, it's not the worst review he's gotten. No. No. It's just sort of like, it's not, it's like the worst of two evils. You know, like, he's not the worst of two evils. Um, Now, Kate gets reamed by the reviewer, and the director won't even read his own in front of the group. So, essentially, Joey's like a shining star in this this show. Um, Pretty quickly, we jump up to the girls' apartment, and the girls walk back in after celebrating, you know, Joey's... I guess, success from his point of view. (laughs) And Phoebe is still on hold. Now she's playing that little string game that we used to play in like elementary and middle school. What was that called? Was it Cat in the Cradle or Cats in the Cradle? Ooh, yes. Yes. Like you could also make like the Eiffel Tower from it, Cat in the Cradle. You like played it with friends. It looks like she's playing on her foot to try and like keep herself entertained she said that she kept herself busy and while she's you know like while she's been on hold but we don't really find out the extensive measure of that line until both of the girls go to walk into their bedrooms after the night like as the night's over they're they're like retiring to their bedrooms and then they discover that Phoebe put all of Monica's stuff in Rachel's bedroom and Rachel's stuff in Monica's bedroom so she has been a busy bee now i think that would be like a little overstepping for your friend not like it it'd be it'd be a stretch to say that she went in and rearranged their own rooms but to switch the rooms completely is just a i think it's a little bit of a stretch in the storyline i mean what do you think yeah for sure it just seems like a bit far-fetched that phoebe would have been able to do that in the amount of time like you're probably only there for like a couple of hours right at the theater yeah, and I feel like all of their stuff, like the beds, there's no way she would have been able to move that by herself. Right. And like, depending on how many clothes they all have, like you're individually moving them over and you can't just dump it in there. So you'd have to like organize as you go. It just seems like a yeah. very big feat that would take forever. Yeah, for sure. Um, we hop back to the theater and Joey is consoling Kate. The director kind of comes in drunk and hurt. And leaves pretty much. He kind of just, I don't know, it's just passing through. We find out that he dumped Kate um, after the reviews came out. 
Joey offers to walk her home and burn every newspaper on the way there. It's a pretty quick interaction. Now they get to Kate's place and they end up kissing, but Joey starts to question her motives and intentions because he really can't figure her out. Um, I think this is Joey in like rare form. Oh yeah. I feel like in this whole scene, he's just really, he's really genuine and really sincere. And Mm -hmm. I think for the first time we're seeing him as what we would imagine are like the girls like he used to bring home. Like it's almost like the roles were reversed. Like Kate was acting like Joey probably does with girls a lot. Mm. But yeah, no, I just, I feel like I really enjoyed this side of Joey because I mean, we've seen it with his friends, his uh, loyalness to his friends and, um, he can be like really sincere with them. So it's nice to see him being that way with a girl that he likes. Yeah, I agree. Um, now as we're panning to the girls' apartments to the next scene, did you really appreciate that video of the twin towers? Like the shot of like the sun coming up behind them? Yes. Yes. Anytime they do one of those pans and the Twin Towers are in it, I always notice. I'm like, oh, they were so glorious. I was like, this was such a good, and like the way that they caught the sun behind the tower to make it, I was like, this, they did real good on this one shot. They did so good. Now, the next morning, Monica comes out of her bedroom to find that Phoebe is still on hold with the company. Now, the reason she didn't go to the play was because they had said, you're the next caller. And now it's probably about 12 hours later, and she's still on hold. Now, Joey comes in with the same clothes he had on the night before and explains where, like, where he was, um, where he was. And then Phoebe asks her why she wasn't there. She starts to go into the monologue. Um, that the call waiting messages gives like (laughs) your play is very important to us (laughs) she's sort of like delirious she's been up for like probably 24 hours at this point just she's struggling now this is where Monica kind of to what you were saying Llewellyn like an additive onto that this is where Monica sort of confirms everything that you're saying that they had the night the night that you stay up for hours and just talk about yourselves, get to learn and know about each other. She know he knows how many brothers she has and um, they just get to know each other. And it's like, isn't that what like the beginning stages of relationships are like? I mean, it's so classic oh, to that. Yeah, I think sure. her example is spot on. Yes, 100%. Um, and Joey's really excited about it. I, I agree with you. Like it is, it's Joey in rare form. And I do agree that there's been a, a sort of role reversal and he's the more like sincere and sensitive one. And he's like really excited about the fact that like they didn't actually do anything. They didn't sleep together. Like they, they just got to know each other. And that was really cool. So downstairs in the cafe, Gunther goes to hand Chandler a cup of coffee and says it's from the woman at the bar. (laughs) But when Chandler turns around to sort of like head nod the girl as like a thank you, all of a sudden Gunther like storms back and he was like, oh, sorry, wrong person. (laughs) Now, yeah, this at a coffee shop is really interesting. It, It feels it feels a little bit different than like a bar I, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone outside of the show saying like this coffee was sent over by the woman in at the other side of the coffee shop. Like, yeah, no, you've served done by enough. men. I feel like women don't do it that often. Yeah, but even with coffee, like you've worked in now two different cafes. Have you ever experienced where like, hey, will you like? Will you order it and then, like, go give it to the person over there? No. Okay. Never. Yeah, okay. That's, okay. That's what I kind of thought, but I was like, I mean, maybe, but. Um, 
Now we find out Rachel's going to go to lunch with Tommy, but Ross, like, he's at the point where he has to say something. Um, he doesn't think that she should see Tommy anymore and that she should just stay away. This is a really tough position for Ross to be the one that has to address it, but he's the only one that's actually witnessed it. But, like, Rachel tries to call Ross out on it, but he specifically gives the example of him screaming at the people that were in their seats. And then Chandler sort of exacerbates the story by mentioning that, oh, and at the end of the play, he got up on his feet and started banging his hands together. (laughs) So, like, Chandler isn't helping Ross out at all. Ross is the only one that sees it. And, of course, like, to put him in the position to have to be the one to tell Rachel is just, it's awkward. It's like, of course she's going to think that Ross is still, like, obsessed with her. It's a lose-lose for Ross, honestly. Yeah. Now, he goes to leave the cafe. He's a little begrudging about, like, the whole situation and that no one believes him and happens to bump right into Tommy with a full cup of coffee is in his hand. Tommy gets all upset about the fact that the coffee almost got spilled on him and is, like, going on and on and on. And, like, again, like you said, Llewellyn, zero to 60, so fast. We And he's sarcastic. He's condescending towards Ross. Like, what is that in your hand? And what kind of coffee? And, like, he's so serious about it. And we pan back in the cafe, and Chandler and Monica are cozied up on the couch together. Very adorably, I might add. And yes. they're talking about, like, vacationing during the winter or something. And Ross is trying to get, like, he's just banging on the glass trying to get their attention because he's going absolutely crazy on him literally just outside the door but then all of a sudden he enters the cafe cool calm collected and ross cannot believe that he was just that he's completely flying under the radar with this group of friends he's just in disbelief complete disbelief um, now, at the theater, Joey comes running in late to his play where he hops into his, his his scene and he sees the understudy is there and he finds out that Kate got a job in L.A. It throws him off and he's having a hard time kind of staying in character. That's really the gist of the scene. Do you have anything else to, like, add to that? No, that was basically it. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty simple. Now, back at the girls' place, Tommy wants to use the phone, but once again, Phoebe is still on hold. Ross tries to recreate what happens outside of the cafe by, you know, kind of coming around the corner as he goes to leave, like around the kitchen table, like, oh, what about this hot coffee in my hand? And Tommy just does not take the bait at all. He's totally putting on a show for Rachel and he's like, okay, Ross, (laughs) just leaves. But across the hallway, we find that Tommy's about to make the call in the guy's apartment. He picks up the chick And it ends up pooping on him. And he starts yelling at the chick. Then the duck comes out of the room and he starts yelling at the duck. And then when we kind of turn around and pan from a different angle, all of the friends are just inside the door watching this completely unfold. And, you know, I'm realizing that I didn't get a look at Ross's face. Did you notice, like, was he exceptionally, like, pleased with himself? Um... No, he was in the back, in the very back of everybody, and he was just kind of like, uh, I told you so. Like, the, like he didn't seem, like, super enthusiastic like Ross can be. He just seemed like, mm-hmm. told you guys. Okay. I'm imagining, like, him having, like, a smug face, like, I told you. Like, I told you so. <laughs> um. Okay, so in the last scene in this bulk of the episode joey runs into kate backstage and finds out that she is still on for general hospital uh hospital role they want her back and joey is super bummed that she's leaving um i mean he's like why can't like i'll just drive drive you to the airport like you're gonna leave and she's like well i can't just stay here for you she said that okay i don't know if you caught this or not but she said that her flight is in an hour she hasn't even left to go to the airport, and her flight is in one hour. Yeah, it doesn't make any okay. sense, especially in New York Probably, exactly. Yeah, and probably from where she was, it was, what, how far away was the airport, and how long, like, 
Mind you, this is before 2001. This is before, obviously, we saw the Twin Towers. So this is before the 9-11 attacks in New York with the two towers. But was it even possible to arrive less than an hour before your flight left and still get on the plane? Like, I don't even remember a time before the TSA. Do you? No. No, there's no way. I mean, LaGuardia and uh, I can't JFK aren't huge airports, but Mm -hmm. they're still big enough that it's going to take you a minute to get through everything and then get to the gate. And boarding usually happens like what, 45 minutes prior to takeoff? Yeah, 45. Some of them say 30 minutes, but even then, I mean, it your flight leaves in an hour and you're not even at the airport. And then what makes it worse is he's doing some sort of like breakup scene with his character um, in the play and sees Kate in the background. So she doesn't even leave right away. Like she stays for the scene. So like there's no way she made that plane ride just in all reality. Now, if she said that like my flight's in two hours, I have to go, I would have believed it. But I'll, I'll bet just like TV when you say an hour, like it makes it seem like I have to go right now. So it just like hurries the story along but there's no way she made that flight (laughs) just in real life she missed her flight agreed can we agree on that yes yes now for those who may be a little bit older than us because i was what 12 11 or 12 when 9 11 happened If there are those of you that are a little bit older that remember flying before, like, the seriousness of, like, TSA and, you know, security and all that, if you arrived less than an hour before your flight, can you tell us if it was possible (laughs) for that to happen? Um, Because I need to know. Okay. So he's he's doing that breakup scene, and he ends up doing all of the lines to, to Kate offstage. She kind of... He kind of angles the understudy so that he can look really at her. And then all of a sudden, this play turns into this weird sci-fi sort of monologue where he's getting into a spaceship and tells her that, like, when he comes back, that her great, great, great granddaughter needs to look him up because he really wants to meet her. And at the same time, Kate kind of waves goodbye in the background as the understudy is sort of waving Joey's character goodbye in the play. So it's very like serendipitous of like the timing for that stuff. But um, but the scene, I mean, the play seemed horrendous at the end. Like I it wasn't until the spaceship thing came down where I was like, why did this play get like such a terrible review? Like, cause all the scenes that we saw were like decent, like they weren't mm-hmm. horrendous, but then the thing came down and I was like, it makes sense now. It makes sense because this would never in a million years be on or off Broadway in New York city. No. Yeah. I know on like on Broadway. I know. I know you're totally right. Um, okay, anything about the bulk of this episode that you wanted to touch on before we get back to the tag? No. Any additional notes? No? Okay. Um, okay, Phoebe is still on hold. This is the tag. After two days, she mentions that it's an 801 number, and Ross tells her that the 800 numbers are toll-free, and 801 is a Utah area code. Okay, first off, how does Ross know off the top of his head that 801 is a Utah area code? Because he's probably read, like, a phone book in his free time. <laughs> there's probably, like, you know, in his ropiness like, of the Ross and Rachel breakup thing. He's probably, mm-hmm. like, what can I do to fill my time? Hmm, this phone book looks interesting. I'll bet there's, like... I don't know. I'll bet there's, like, area codes of the United States book that you can, like, put in your bathroom for, like, reading or something. Yeah. Maybe. That's what I imagine. It's, like, one of those kitsch books that you get at, like, Spencer's Gifts or something. Is Spencer's mm-hmm. still even a thing? I don't know. But you know what I mean. Yeah. It's, like, one of those, like, weird ones. But, um, okay. And then after the friends find out that she's been paying for this call because it's not an 800 number – she promises to pay the girls back, and yet she still doesn't hang up. So all of the friends just start, like, actively pleading with her, please hang up the phone. 
And when she goes to hang it up, she breaks the phone. Then she says, that's okay, though, because there's a number that you can call. <laughs> Looping it all the way back to the beginning, which I think is such a perfect little, like, it's a good, like, loop all the way around. It's a good close for the episode. Like, I think this is the first time that they do, like, a callback into the same episode that loops around as if, like, the story could literally loop again because of the idea that she's, like, oh, there's a phone number that you can call, and it's the one that she's on because her phone is broken. I don't know. I just thought that was really clever of the writers. Yeah. Um, okay. Favorite scene, Llewellyn. Okay, I don't know that – mine's not really a full scene, but it's a okay. moment, and it's a, it's a couple lines that Chandler says. Um, I don't feel like oh, I've had okay. a Chandler one in a while, but it's – Right, it's in the beginning, right after Joey like gives them all the tickets or asks for the tickets or whatever, they're getting ready. And it's at the very end of the scene where um, Phoebe gets stuck in this shirt or whatever. He comes mm-hmm. rushing in and he's holding the duck in one hand and the chick in the <laughs> other. And he goes, Can you take a duck and a chick to the theater? And Monica's <laughs> like, No, of course you can't. He's like, Okay, cool. I like knew that. I just I just didn't want to be the one to tell him. And then turns around yeah. and walks out. <laughs> like, I I swear, since they've gotten the duck and the chick, like, he just, at any random time, he'll walk in and, like, say something about one of them. Like, when Tommy was yelling and he's like, step away from the duck. Just mm-hmm. his, like, little one-liners with the duck and the chick. It's like he feels, like, so responsible for them. It's, I don't know. It's funny. No, that's good. Um, My favorite scene, it's sort of, I agree with you, it was sort of the one moment, and I kind of already spoiled it for everyone because I already said it, but when Ben Stiller, a.k.a. Tommy, says, oh, ushers with all the training they go through, because we all know that, like, they don't go through any training, like, it's not that hard to usher, but it's because, like, there's really no, like, responsibilities or anything like that that really goes with it. Um, I just loved how, like, in that moment, it was the perfect culmination of, like, sarcasm and condescension. I just I just thought it was brilliant. So that's my favorite moment. Um, okay, episode rating system. How would you rate this episode? I would say... Um... Uh, how you doing? Uh, which is oh. kind of fitting because Joey is <laughs> a big part of this episode. Um, yeah. I, I mean, kind of like you said, like we're rewatching this, and it feels like almost the first time in a long time, and um, it's good to like kind of have a step back from it because you like don't expect what's coming, but like I don't know, it's just refreshing. So I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Joey in this episode for all the reasons we already really said. Um, His sincerity and he was funny, but I don't know, just that I think it's when we can see the opposite of what of what one of the characters are. I I almost appreciate the episodes because then Mm -hmm. it shows like how well-rounded the actors are. Um, So I think for that and then also Tommy cracks me up and I think the tension between him and Ross was probably one of my favorite things too. Just how every time he's yelling at him and every time Ross is like trying to get the friends to see it, it's just like this tension is building up in Ross. And to me, that's funny because, you know, how we feel about Ross. Um, But yeah, I would give it that. It wasn't like my favorite episodes, but it's definitely one that like, if I just wanted to watch one, I would. I think that was the best review of an episode you've ever given. Like, I'm almost speechless. It was like a work of art. <laughs> wow. And because of your review and the way that you put it, I'm actually going to rate mine higher than I was going to rate it because of the way that you put everything. So um, y'all out there just, again, snaps for Llewellyn. She's killing it on today's episode. <laughs> I'm going to give it a unagi. Um, I was debating between an, oh, my God, and a, we were on a break. Um, But I'm going to rate it a little bit higher because of exactly all of the things that you said. 
Um, the character development, nice. the roundedness, the tension of Ross and, and Tommy. Um, I'm sad that we didn't get enough of Chandler. Um, he was really, really, really like, he wasn't even a C storyline. Like, he was just there, um, yeah. which was a bummer. But um, yeah, so thanks to Llewellyn, I rated that higher. Now, in this post show wrap up, I'm just going to give um, you guys a few disclaimers. We are going to hold all of the social media spotlights until our very special episode near the end of the year. Um, we're going to compile them all together and give you guys sort of a recap of what you are saying. Um, and I felt like there was another announcement that I was going to give, but it's okay. Okay, now, Llewellyn, do you have a recommend to a friend? Um, mine kind of ties in with yours, so you go first. Okay. Um, okay, mine is, I'm going to name it and then I'll explain it. <laughs> Um, my recommend to a friend is lovingly on my end called the dancing Christmas lights. Now let me explain. There is, um, about 40 minutes from where I live out in some fairgrounds park area. There is something called dancing Christmas lights and it is a 2.5 mile drive with lights that hook up to like a radio station so you drive through it takes you quite a bit of time to do because one you're driving slow you're looking at how all of these you know lights led screens you know etc line up with the different songs for christmas so you're just taking quite a time um to do it so it's totally worth you know the amount of money that was but i just recommend finding something like that in your town um to enliven your christmas spirit um okay i literally just googled it because i was interested in going to see it and the only one that's coming up is the one that you are currently talking about oh that's hilarious well the names might change um like in michigan i know that there was one out in oh gosh it was it was like also a 45 minute drive from kalamazoo where we both lived um because uh, me and our old bosses went to it one Christmas. So the name might change per your area. Um, but I just recommend trying to find stuff like that. So even if it's not like a drive through Christmas radio thing, try and find that one neighborhood that goes all out on Christmas you know, decorations or something like that. But that is my recommend to a friend. Me and my girls um, went um, and had so much fun. Just, you know, you turn off your brights and your lights so that it's dark except for the lights out there and you just can listen to Christmas music and we talked and um, it was just, it was so fun. So highly recommend that for you, your friends and your families around the Christmas season. Even if you don't celebrate Christmas, obviously just go see some fun lights. Cool. Um well, I'm going to tie that in only because mine's also Christmas related and also Christmas light related. So I, all of you guys know, um, Leanne and I are both from Michigan, which gets very cold, very snowy in the Christmas months. Um, and she currently lives in an area that can get snow and does get cold. So I don't know how she feels about this, but now being in Florida, guys, I have to admit, I cannot get in the Christmas spirit because the weather doesn't change. Like, yes, it's gotten, it's gotten cooler than it has been in the summer and the, it's still dark at night and people put up Christmas lights, but it just doesn't feel like living in one state for 30 years and then moving to the complete opposite doesn't mm-hmm. feel like Christmas. So yeah. when Nicole came down last week, she arrived in the evening and I told her that I said, I, I, you know, it's not felt like Christmas. Like, I don't know what to do about it. And I said, but there's this one area that has, I've heard, amazing Christmas lights. Do you want to go? And she's like, yeah, of course. So we, we drove out there. And it's um, it's like a fancier part of town. They've got like the big shopping mall. It's like the, like the rich part of town. All the money goes into that spot. Um, ah. So we went out there. Oh, my gosh. The lights. Like, it wasn't like a drive-thru or anything, but like... It's definitely an area where you can, like, get out and, like, walk around, like, down these shops. There's, um, 
what are they called? They're they're roundabouts, like down the whole drive thing. And they go nuts at Christmas. Like everything is lit up. It's all time to music. There's like multiple Christmas trees. Some are on buildings. Some are like in the middle of like the roundabouts. They do like a um, Christmas movie like showing every weekend. So they have like a literal screen that you like drive into and like watch a movie for free every Saturday. Um, And they even have a huge Christmas tree with like chairs around it where you can just come and like sit and do whatever with your family and like look at this Christmas tree light thing. So wow. needless to say, it helped me get in a, little, in a little bit more in the spirit, but still it's, it's hard. So I guess I'm asking if there's anybody out there who lives in a hot state or country <laughs> where you don't get snow or it doesn't get cold, like how do you celebrate Christmas and how do you get in the mood for Christmas? Because your girl can't do it. It's hard down here. So I don't even know if that's a recommend. I guess I'm recommending is if you don't feel like you're in the mood for Christmas, go out and look at Christmas lights because they're awesome. And I love what other people do because I don't ever want to do that to a house. (laughs) I know. I'm always like, maybe I'll just pay for people to come and do it (laughs) when I'm My mom is like begging me to help her decorate her outside of her house. And I'm like, mom, I don't, I don't get on ladders. I don't want to do that. Um, Okay, well, Llewellyn, we kept it under an hour as per your specific instructions. So are you feeling satisfied with this recording? (laughs) Yes, I am. Y'all, she came to me with this email. Actually, it was a text. And she's like, "Um, if we could keep it to about 45 minutes per episode, so that way we're not overwhelming them with all of our content. AKA Leanne, you're long winded. Shut up and move on. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, but we almost did it. I mean, we're under an hour, so I consider that a win. So lead us out of this episode, Llewellyn, before I become even more long winded. Yes. So we will see you guys next week and we'll cover two episodes the one with Ross's thing. And the one with the ultimate fighting champion. So So we will see you guys next week on the One with Friends podcast. 